0: Hello, and welcome to Actively Speaking. I'm your host, Steve Blyberg. Join us each episode as we discuss current issues concerning capital markets and portfolio management from the perspective of an active manager. Hi, everybody. My guest today is uh, David Pearl, who's a a repeat guest. Uh, David is Executive Vice President and uh, Co-Chief Investment Officer here at Epic. Welcome back, David. Nice to be here. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about 5G, when you were here last time. Uh, and we were talking about um what's going on with you know cable tv and streaming right. services you made a reference to 5g and said well that's a whole other podcast in itself so we uh we're taking you up on that and we're going to devote this podcast just to talking about 5g be uh, careful what you wish for <laughs> so for the for the purposes of this podcast pretend that I'm somebody who really doesn't know anything about this subject which really isn't much of a stretch because uh, that that pretty much sums it up so, other than knowing that you know 5G clearly is is 25% better than 4G, because uh, it's you know it's one additional uh, G uh, on a base of four. Okay, that was a terrible joke. But why don't we start off uh, for people like me who don't really either uh, never knew or, or have forgotten what all these different generations were? Do a quick review for us of what the different generations uh, are okay. and, and what's what's going to be the change from 4G to 5G.
1: Yeah, so modern uh, cellular phones that actually use cell sites started in the 1980s and that was what we would call 1G. These phones were analog signals and were voice only. So uh, the thing about an analog signal is when you have that signal, you have used the channel. There is only one person per channel. The breakthrough was using a cell site that could then dynamically switch you as you were moving from place to place. Um, You know, think of the movie Wall Street with uh, Michael Douglas and Charlie Sheen. The phone was the size of, um, well, bigger than a couple loaves of bread anyway, but, and much, much heavier. Then came 2G in the 1990s. 2G uh, was digital. So now you could multiplex. You could have multiple conversations over the same frequency because you were using ones and zeros and the computer could figure out which signal was from which phone. And you added text. So this was the beginning of texting, SMS, uh, and that became a phenomenon around the world. Then we go to probably around 1998 or so when 3G came out, and this was the addition of data where you could finally use your phone the way people had been using their computer to browse the Internet and to download things, and the phone became, in essence, a computer The big breakthrough came with the uh, first iPhone, which really was a computer uh, as a phone. But 3G lasted uh, almost 10 years. Uh, And then in 2009, we moved to 4G, uh, which uh, added a lot more uh, speed and capacity. And at this point, I'm gonna go over speed. Um, The signal in a 1G phone was two kilobits a second. Hard to describe what a kilobit is, but basically just enough to have a rotten voice call. Uh, Then 2G went to 50 kilobits a second, uh, and that call quality was a heck of a lot better when you did uh, voice calls. To do data with 3G, you got to 300 kilobits up to two megabits a second. So this was another large breakthrough. So in each case, we have an order of magnitude of 10x. Mm -hmm. And 4G continued this going from 10 to ultimately 50 megabits a second. So again, uh, more than 10x on average of 3G. And that was very important, uh, particularly for more data like downloading and streaming videos. 4G is what made Netflix usable on a phone. And now we're about to enter the new era of 5G technology, which has technically already started on a couple of the carriers' networks. But as I'm going to talk about, it is much more uh, complicated and more nuanced than just saying we're in the 5G era. And it's a combination of speed and capacity and latency, another term. So we'll Mm. get into that. And it enables new applications, just as streaming was enabled at 4G, there will be things that people expect to use uh, with 5G that couldn't have been used before that will drive 5G usage and more devices. However, it's going to be a little more complicated than that, and I think we'll try to break this up.
0: Okay, right, yeah. So let me just ask a, a dumb question. You know, when you're in range of a Wi-Fi network, you can use Wi-Fi. So uh, how does, you know, how do Wi-Fi speeds that we've had up to now, how do they compare to what you're going to get on 5G? Right. Is, are they really any different than 4G? Again, I, I yeah. don't really know the technical right. answers to these things.
1: Right. So Wi-Fi is a methodology of delivering um, data in particular uh, over a relatively short distance Usually computer to computer, although your computer may well be a TV with a Amazon Fire or Roku box attached. Uh, But the speed is um, ultimately limited by the amount of uh, bandwidth coming into the router, which is supplying the Wi-Fi. And that comes from your cable company or your phone company if they have fiber optics. So it's really your home broadband is the term. Home broadband um, has also progressed over the years, but to directly answer your question with 4G, the top speed of a 4G phone is about 50 megabits per second. That is the low end of a home um, broadband and Wi-Fi setup. So you could conceivably spend a little less money and get broadband at 20 to 40 megabits per second. But the vast majority of home users are getting 100 plus megabits a second. So it's still faster than what you could do using your phone. And the other issue is that your phone, while it says it's unlimited, actually isn't unlimited. They will throttle you because you are using a very valuable bandwidth, frequencies that they need for other cell phones. Not the same with Wi-Fi because your home Wi-Fi only goes a few hundred feet. And your neighbor's Wi-Fi uses basically the same frequencies, so they can infinitely reuse those frequencies from home to home. Mm -hmm. Whereas cell phones, it really is a congestion issue. 5G will actually lessen that to some degree.
0: Right. So I guess so the point of my question, I guess, is you know, today, even with 4G, when people have access to Wi-Fi, like, oh, I'd rather use the Wi-Fi, will 5G Change that word. People yes. like, well, I don't, I don't need Wi-Fi. 5G is, is better.
1: So I didn't talk about the speed for 5G. Right. So 4G was 10 to 50 megabits a second. 5G is going to vary from a low of 30 megabits a second, so pretty much the same, but all the way up to 2 gigabits per second. So uh, let's see. Am I, that's 40x <laughs> the the speed of a 4G network. Uh, and faster or at least comparable to any home broadband. Mm-hmm. So with 5G, your phone really would be as fast as your Wi-Fi at home with the proviso that your cell company will be unhappy if you try to stream every show from here to eternity uh, <laughs> over your phone's frequency. It would clog up everyone else's cell phone. So they would probably throttle you and charge you. hmm But yes, the speeds are comparable. And we're going to get into one of the big use cases, one of the big apps, applications for 5G is to replace uh, cable home broadband with wireless home broadband. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so you said three issues, the speed, capacity, and uh, latency. So let's turn to capacity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the problems with cell phones historically has been That the more users, the more cell towers and antennas you need because there are only so many frequencies. So the way to have more users is to divide up the spaces. You have the same frequency, but you use them twice as much if you have two towers dividing the population. So it's caused a lot of capex as this grew. Now, 5G is much more efficient at splitting each frequency because, again, every time you're using a phone, you have a signal between your phone and the tower and that signal is limited. There's only so much spectrum. It is literally like owning land. They don't make any more and you have to uh, buy it. Uh, and each cell company has a limited supply. So these technologies have figured out impressively new ways to put more and more users on the same frequency at the same time to increase capacity. So 5G has something like, a a again, more than a 10X up to 40X higher capacity, this is incredibly important, not so much because we're going to have many more cell phones per person, but because of the Internet of Things, when suddenly 40 devices in your home want to talk at the same time to some cloud computer, and they have to have some connection active. Mm -hmm. So it can only be enabled through 5G. 4G would be overwhelmed by this.
0: Okay. Uh, And finally, latency. So what does that mean?
1: Uh, latency is the, the time it takes to send a signal back and forth, and it is an inherent issue um, for all of these technologies. Uh, 4G uh, has a 20 to 30 millisecond delay when you talk, and it's faster going downstream to, to you than upstream. 5G is essentially uh, synchronous. It's, a, it's the same up and down and it can reduce from 20 to 30 down to 10 to as little as one millisecond. Now, for most of us, we're never going to notice this, truthfully, when you're loading a web page or doing a voice call. But think of an application like cloud gaming. You can now have the possibility of using your cell phone the way you'd use a console controller, and the cloud will be your computer. And because the reaction time between you pressing your phone button and the um, screen and the player on the other side of the world playing you is less than one millisecond, it will actually look like you're in the same room. Mm -hmm. And that was not possible with the 20 to 30 millisecond delay. So latency is very important. The other very important reason for this is autonomous vehicles. That in order to have a car be autonomous, yes, it will have to have a lot of processing on board, but for many of the things that a car will sense... It will be having to talk to computers all over the country, and particularly locally. There should, in a longer term, be computers in the light signal, the green and yellow light. Uh, Also, some traffic monitors that tell the car what to expect, and it has to be in constant contact with these and other computers to drive the car safely. So that uh, latency is only overcome using 5G technology.
0: Got it. Before we recorded this, we were chatting a bit about this and uh, you were discussing some of the sort of technical issues uh, that plague 5G, that having to do with the uh, trade-off between the frequency and power and the fact that the signal, because of the frequency is and the wavelength, faces certain physical obstacles.
1: Truly well said. So to elaborate on what Steve said, it is a lot more complicated than most people think. There is a trade-off, and this is just physics, between the wavelength, or frequency is the inverse of the wavelength, and the amount of energy it carries, and the distance that the signal will go. So it's a trade-off between power and distance in particular. The, The lower the frequency, or the longer the wavelength, the further the signal will go, and it will penetrate objects like buildings. So if you wanted to have the maximum coverage for cell signal, you would use low frequencies. And most of our carriers use these frequencies. They're around 600 megahertz to 800 megahertz. There's a mid band that goes from 2 gigahertz to 4 or 6 gigahertz. And then there's a high band that goes well above something like 10 gigahertz and above. And the issue is that to have very high speeds, you ultimately need the highest frequency, those 10 and above gigahertz. But those are the frequencies that go shorter distances, as little as a mile, and are interrupted by physical objects, even leaves and snow. And so the carriers have been working for years with the technology to get an optimal balance between speed and distance. So in other words, um, one of the carriers has said they already have a nationwide 5G network. That is technically true, but it's using 600 megahertz, the very low frequency band. And so it goes a very long distance. That's why they can claim that nationwide coverage. But the average speed will only be 30 to 200 megabits a second. On average, it'll be 25% faster than 4G distance to distance, but not so much that you're really going to care as a consumer. So 5G in that respect is a little more of a marketing gimmick. Yes, it's coverage, and yes, it's 5G, but you won't have a heck of a lot of advantage over 4G. To have that big speed, one to two gigabits a second, something where, you know again, you can do new things like gaming, uh, autonomous vehicles will send a lot of data back and forth, you're going to need a higher band. The problem with this is there's very little of this spectrum available to the cell phone carriers. In fact, they are still trying to get it back from things like the military. And this is still being worked on actively to basically reacquire these frequencies. So one of them is working on 28 gigahertz and 39 gigahertz. It will be in the current generation of 5G phones. And those will have very high speeds. But at the moment, that carrier, I will not name them, only has about 30 locations in the country, and again, the distance is only about a mile, where you can get these kinds of speeds. Mm -hmm. And they would have to have a heck of a lot of towers given the one-mile radius of this frequency. So, you know, that's the trade-off we're going to see. So for most practical purposes, a true 5G high-speed network is still a few years out, uh, not so much because of the technology, it's because of the lack of frequency and the amount of capital expenditure to build the amount of towers given the limitations of that frequency
0: uh, okay so you you said before that uh, the ultimate goal or, or plan for this is to ultimate for it to replace cable internet service at home talk about that and and you've got companies like verizon who you know how does this trade-off yeah. work for them they, they're in both sides right. they're on both sides yeah. of that trade
1: right. So, so, at least to finish off for consumers, I think the takeaway is five g will be a nice to have on your cell phone for this year or next year, but really, for most people, will not be a huge difference in functionality, so I think it'll be a little more of a marketing gimmick initially, and over the next number of years, when it does get to high speeds will then be an alternative for many people to even using. Uh, cable in their home because their phone may be as fast as any connection that they could get from a cable company or their phone company. Now, the opportunity for the carriers and others now is to bring this speed specifically to home users and replace broadband that they've been paying uh, from a cable company, which is a monopoly because they had to lay cable, dig holes in the ground, and spend billions of dollars to wire neighborhoods. And now with much less money, you can wirelessly deliver the same speed. So it would be a great benefit to consumers to have optionality and competition and to the carriers um, to have the ability to go into places where they couldn't compete before. So with the Verizon example, if they're already in a neighborhood, well, they wouldn't be wanting to compete with themselves. But if they had a new customer, instead of having to then extend cable from the neighborhood, uh, they call it a head end, To your home, which would still uh, require a lot of labor and money to dig holes, and the install takes a number of hours, they would be able to replace that with one antenna placed strategically in the neighborhood and giving you an antenna that you place in your home, uh, and that would save them time and money and make it a quicker and cheaper service. And where Verizon wasn't able to have this monopoly, say their competitor Comcast or Charter, They could go into another territory and compete with them as long as they had a fiber optic backbone, which they would have because of their cell towers in the neighborhood. So it will spur competition and have incremental um, opportunity for revenue growth for a number of these companies if they're willing to do this. Now, the only hitch yet again has been that to get these high speeds, you have to use the highest frequencies which are very short range and very susceptible to interference from nature. And they have to be line of sight so that you have to aim the antenna in the neighborhood to your home. You have to do a particularly good job at this. At the moment they have to do it for you. You can't do it yourself. So it has been in five trials from Verizon and the results have not been overwhelmingly positive. So they're still going back to the drawing board. Ultimately, Um, pundits believe, uh, actually I should say experts, and pundits, that you're going to need a mid-band, something between 2 and 6 gigahertz, because that will go a maximum of 10 miles and is less susceptible to rain, snow, and falling leaves than the ultra-high millimeter wave 39 gigahertz band. So right now, the only carrier that has that wavelength in abundance is Sprint, which was actually the main reason that T-Mobile wanted to take over Sprint to get that spectrum. AT and, uh, AT&T and Verizon are trying to buy this at an auction, which is being reclaimed from the military. So that is that is the state of home fixed wireless broadband, but that would be a huge incremental opportunity only available through the 5G technology.
0: Right. Okay, so you're talking about these, you know, these ultra high frequency a, things. Yeah. Uh, are, are there health implications of having a device uh, That's emitting that kind of uh, high frequency radiation, you know, close to your head.
1: You know, there is a folk wisdom that, of course, anything that emits radiation is going to be bad for you. And, you know, personally, I'm not thrilled about putting something next to my skull that emits high frequency radiation. But, you know, as a uh, person of science, in fact, I delved into this. And this is the official um, account from most scientists, Now, all radiation is frequencies. Uh, It goes from infrared to radio waves. And as the frequencies get higher, visible light, then ultraviolet, then X-ray, then gamma ray. It's at the point of UV that the frequency gets high enough to do something called ionizing, where it breaks chemical bonds. So that is the official frequency limit where that radiation harms you, just like ultraviolet can cause skin cancer mm-hmm. and x-rays can cause cancers. Those frequencies are dangerous in any high dosage. Radio waves are below light waves in mm-hmm. frequency. So no matter how high they are, the official word is they are still harmless, even though the real issue has been that people think of microwaves. Mm-hmm. And microwaves are radio waves, and just like I told you that these millimeter waves, 39 gigahertz, um, 5G broadband, get stopped by objects like leaves and rain, that's the point of a microwave. They tuned a high-frequency wave that gets stopped by water. It heats up the water mo- molecules, and that's what how a microwave oven works. Mm-hmm. So it's the moisture in your food that gets heated up because those waves get stuck in them. Right. So everyone thinks that microwaves, oh my god, it's gonna fry my brain, but in reality, these waves are not powerful enough. The frequencies are not high enough to ionize and basically break a chemical bond. Right. So, so I, I they are able- officially safe, although I still would recommend using your phones.
2: Okay.
0: So we won't be able to cook our dinner using our yeah, phones. No, yeah. So I you know we're don't even we not even really up to 5G yet. It's still, as you say, yeah. uh, they're still perfecting the technology. Is there thought out there, somebody,
1: about what would a 6G look like? And- I'm sure it's being worked on. But to be fair, 5G really is an evolution of 4G technology. It's not as if they changed the algorithms. You know, the big breakthrough was really going to 3G and 4G, uh, where, again, you had the signal... Every connection would take up the whole signal, and then they figured out how to multiplex, how to put multiple conversations on the same frequency at the same time. One of them used time division. It would actually split up your call over every couple milliseconds, but you wouldn't notice it. But then to get even more capacity, the way to do it was called code division multiplexing, which uses cryptography. And so both the phone and the antenna actually are decoding your signal and basically puts the puzzle back together against all the other signals. Mm -hmm. And what 4G and 5G are doing is refining this. And actually, when you think of a radio signal, the signal spans out almost 180 degrees over time. You don't really point it in a direction and it doesn't go straight in that direction, it fans out. So a lot of your signal is lost and these new technologies can reclaim the signal even if it bounces off objects. So they figured out ways to increase capacity using those signals. But again, 5G is an evolution of 4G. Mm. And 6G, unless there is some new technology, would be an evolution. So that's many years out. 5G, you know, in general, these have lasted about 10 years. And in this case, like I say, while 5G technically is available today, it probably won't hit its stride for two years or more. So, you know, even getting 5G to work the way people think it should will be a long, a multi-year cycle.
0: Okay. So as you yeah. say, no reason to necessarily so rush out and buy that 5G phone quite yet. Although
1: they're going to look really great. Yes.
0: Well, particularly if you live yeah, in Seattle yeah, or other the, rainy cities. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I've certainly learned a lot today. Uh, Dave, thanks for, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a pleasure.
0: Uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks. Remember to subscribe to Actively Speaking on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. You can find all of our previous episodes and additional content on our
2: website, www.eipny.com. The information contained in this podcast is distributed for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment product. Information contained herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but not guaranteed. The information contained in this podcast is accurate as of the date submitted but is subject to change any performance information referenced in this podcast represents past performance and is not indicative of future returns any projections targets or estimates in this podcast are forward-looking statements and are based on EPIC's research, analysis, and assumptions made by EPIC. There can be no assurances that such projections, targets, or estimates will occur and the actual results may materially be different. Other events which were not taken into account in formulating such projections, targets, or estimates may occur and may significantly affect the returns or performance of any accounts and or funds managed by EPIC. To the extent this podcast contains information about specific companies or securities, including whether they are profitable or not, they are being provided as a means of illustrating our investment thesis. Past references to specific companies or securities are not a complete list of securities selected for clients and not all securities selected for clients in the past year were profitable.